Hello and welcome to the Build-A-Bard Workshop. My name is Stephen. And my name is Simon. We're not experts, but we're here to take you through building a character in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. We have a list of rules that we work from when building a character which are as follows. We each build a level 5 character using a random race, class and subclass and see what we come up with. The goal is not necessarily to build the most efficient character, but to build an interesting one. We use standard array, standard racial bonuses, and characters start with 100 gold and an uncommon or rare magic item. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. That looks suspiciously blank in the middle there, but we'll we'll roll with it. No, that's just background noise. Um, oh, okay, okay. It's like the Matrix. I just look at it. All I see is Steve swearing, yeah. silence, fans in the background. <laughs> I do try not to swear too much. No, swear all you want, say fuck cunt and bugger, as long as we're not on TikTok, we're fine. There's a little explicit tag that we put in the episode, so we're allowed. Yeah, we talked about penises in the lot in the last released episode. Which, yep. I mean, is going to happen in any podcast, which is two blokes in a room. Yeah. So, welcome to Two Blokes Cast. <laughs> Are you doing the intro this week? No, you do it. Okay. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Build-A-Bard Workshop. Uh, I'm Stephen. I'm here with my co-host, Simon. See, that's so much more professional than what I would have done. Today we are looking at a mammon, tiefling, druid, circle of the land. Yes. And I said that weirdly because I couldn't remember what it was actually called. But it is circle of the land, and you get to choose your land. How did you find this build, Simon? I feel guilty because I feel like I've come to this episode really without anything. Oh, like okay. I've I've got a druid and I think I kind of screwed myself by doing a druid last week and so I'm I'm really not sure what to do with this build. Okay. Well, should we do rollies? Yeah. And there you go, sir. So I've got a 16. 14. 14. Your choice, sir. Right. I'll go first. I'll just get through what I've got. Yeah. Because you you tell me. As I say, Part of the problem that I had with this was two huge potential racial insensitivities right off the bat in what we've rolled here. You have the Mammon Tiefling, which is a race who are attracted to hoarding money, which like, I'm surprised that Dog hasn't already started barking at that (laughs) dog whistle right there. And the second thing was obviously my first idiot thought uh, looking at Circle of the Land was, oh... Who's in touch with nature and likes the land? Oh, I know. And then I started going through cultures across the world that are... And thinking, oh, I could design something based on that. And then I thought, no, don't do that, you fucking idiot. (laughs) So there's two big temptations to be quite racist, ridiculous, insensitive with this build right off the bat. So I think that kind of trying not to fall into those traps kind of constrained me a little bit in terms Mm -hmm. of what I was doing. I rolled a random name, which was Crolipsis, and I really like this. Mm-hmm. And I quite often say that there was the thing, which got me yeah. like into the build. The thing for me was the portrait. There's not really any good way of us linking which portrait it is, uh-huh. but it's a tiefling with a set of sort of round glasses like that, <laughs> looking quite young idealistic optimistic facial expression would you say i think it's from one of the newer expansions but it looks very cr with that portrait i kind of decided this was going to be a tiefling who because you have the circle of the land Mm. and you have the mammon tiefling rather than going into the sort of racial essentialism of it Mm. 
I thought this is a former merchant who has decided to eschew the pursuit of gold and has become a hippie eco-warrior. I love it. So that's kind of drawing the druid side mm-hmm, into it. This mm-hmm. is like the background literally is failed merchant. So they, this is... Oh, you took who, an Acquisitions yeah. Incorporated background. Oh, is that one of the yeah. AI ones? Oh, okay. Yeah. Which we do say we don't usually use, but... It's generic enough. enough yeah, no, 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 I completely agree. It's not agree. really it's connected to AI in the specific sense. Like, there's some of the magic items that go on about, like, you've got this magic item because you're an intern... Or there's one or two of the spells that are kind of very specific to the AI background. But this yeah, is yeah. mostly just sort of the, the failed merchant thing. So mm. the personality traits, I was cutting corners and breaking deals to maximize profit. That's why I failed. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the cutthroat attitude necessary to succeed. And I've cut off the I won't make that mistake again because that doesn't feel like this character. I think this is just somebody who was like, tried to be a merchant. Maybe that was something somebody said to them, like, oh, you're a mammon tiefling. Mammon tiefling yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. a merchant. So they're like, all right, I'll try that. And they just didn't have the heart for it. And they're I like, actually really like that, though. That this you, isn't me. You took that and switched it up. Again, just trying to do my best with the, the lack of inspiration that mm-hmm. I felt like I had with this. Ideals, to me. ideals, redemption. Too many people consider me a failure, so I need to prove them wrong. In a way, that's not prove them wrong by being a good merchant. That's prove them wrong by being good at something else, which yeah. I think that's a lot of people who sort of, you know, have uh, disabilities that have come on later in life will suddenly find that the typical path of success is, is no longer open to them. So they kind of have to find their own way to do their own thing. Bonds, although my business failed, the people of my community were kind to me. I'll do everything in my power to protect them. I like the idea that it's kind of, they've kind of been part of this sort of business cutthroat atmosphere, maybe. And then after that, they've sort of gone, you know, like it failed and they thought, oh shit, I'm going to die. And then everybody sort of like protected them. And they're like, hang on, there's this whole support network here that I didn't (laughs) realise. I was so busy being a selfish shit. I didn't notice everybody around me is actually really nice and I like them now sort of thing. Flaws. I couldn't really find any flaws that fit with this. So I just went, why spend gold here when you can buy the same thing for copper in the next town? I kind of like that they've still got that sort of... There's a bit of business now. Maybe it's sort of like residual economic panic about oh shit am i being stupid by buying this here if i could get it cheaper elsewhere and then i could do this and then i could do that that kind of anxiety that's a a understandable anxiety that some people uh have about money when they've been running a business i have a story about that yeah my gran her mum's sister great great aunt they would say about her oh she'd walk she'd walk five miles just to save a penny on a tin of beans (laughs) And then my great-great-granny would say, ah, but I'd be worried about the shoe leather. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's it good, is good. Like. When you think about it, it is good. That's, like some, that. that's some actual wisdom of the ancient shit there. Yeah. yeah. So the stats I've ended up with, strength 12, dexterity 14, constitution 14, intelligence 11, mm-hmm. wisdom 16, charisma 10. I think we were, we were kind of talking about this at the end of one of the episodes we're not really making the best use of going with the old racial Mm -hmm. stats for these. And I think like it might be something we look to change for season two. Yeah. We'll stick with it for now. So unfortunately that has led to me having an odd number, an odd number. Good God. And also because I took the Druid to level five, when I took my ability score increase, 
I did put the two points in the other two odd numbers that I had in the build <laughs> to, to level those out. The standout skills for these. One of the things that I thought was interesting with this being the Mammon Tiefling is you don't have the is it Infernal Rebuke? the Hellish Rebuke. Hellish Rebuke. The reaction you have where you can do fire damage yeah. back up. I mean, that is just a spell. That's not just Tieflings. Warlocks get it too. Yeah, so you, you don't you don't get your hands on that. Dark Vision, as always, resistance to fire damage. Your legacy of Minoros. So you know the Mage Hand cantrip, which mm-hmm. a Mage Hand is always a nice thing to have and getting it without having to use up a cantrip mm-hmm. slot yeah, to absolutely. get it is quite a nice bonus. You can cast Tensor's Floating Disc. I think we went into that with Grelm. That's like an hour long, just a disc that can carry stuff for you. So yeah. there's quite often you would have a situation where... Your character would have to be making strength checks to cart something about. And in that case, you've just got a little hover platform, you know, like Death Stranding, the little hover carts you have behind you. (laughs) An arcane lock, which I feel like you've mentioned before, and I think there was a... I came up with the one creative use I can think of, of arcane lock, which is you can lock yourself behind a door. Mm. and give yourself a couple of minutes to heal up get stuff ready get into yeah. position that kind of thing while they try and break down a door yeah so I was thinking about that sort of thing the circle of the land and I'm sure we'll get into this with the second half but it feels a bit limited compared to the other subclasses because whereas most of the other subclasses will give you extra tricks and extra abilities you can do and mm. a lot of the time that's where we find the weird interactions with the builds with circle of the land it just gives you extra spells now they are good spells that it gives you they almost exclusively not from the druid spell list as well mm. so i mean with with the ones that i've that i noticed i went with grassland is that because haste it's partly because haste but it's also because you get some other nice ones with that uh, you also get a bonus cantrip at level one, so I took two. Oh right, okay. Because yeah. it's when you take your yeah, it's yes, it's when you take the circle, which is level two. Thank you. So I took druid craft because I feel like if I was going to play a druid, I would take druid cat druid craft just to find ways to use it because I feel like it's a spell. It's not like Prestidigitation where you get all these big videos where people are saying like, oh, you can use it in this way and you can mark an enemy for an up to for up to an hour and you can create little, you know, you can create a mini of the monster that you just saw mm. and things like that. There's some very creative uses for things like Prestidigitation. Thaumaturgy as well. I get the impression that a good DM would give you advantage on intimidation checks if you were using that right. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. walk into a room full of peasants and the doors slam open and there's the smell of sulfur and you you can have up to three effects going. So you can also make it to make your voice boom a little bit more mm. as you walk in. And you could, you know, I can see a DM going, all right, you, you've taken the effort to do all of that. You've got advantage on your intimidation check. I've chosen Guidance because I will probably default to using Guidance in most builds if I can get away with it. Fair enough. Poison Spray, just because I feel like that's... It's quite a nice cantrip to have. There are some nice cantrips you get as a druid, and there's some nice silly things you can do. I did take Shillelagh, and for the DM's permission needed thing on there, I would be asking the DM... If I hadn't built this for the stats that I had, I would probably be asking the DM if we could do the shillelagh nanigans of quarterstaff and asking if you can apply it to the offhand attack as well. I think DMs would be very much within their rights to say no to that if you're also adding extra damage on top of that. But if that's the only thing you're doing, I think it's a fair enough usage, especially at level five. 
I mean, that's a niche thing anyway, because you yeah. probably want to be using a can. You're probably better off using other countries yeah. anyway. But yeah. I changed my mind quite late on to have this eco warrior thing, mm. and I think if I'd done that earlier on, I probably would have looked at the spells and chosen things that would be more suitable for someone who's trying to protect an area of land. But at the moment, I've got just things that are generally useful for a druid. You've got detect magic. You've got entangle. You've got healing word, which that's not only useful as a ranged heal. It's also useful for if somebody goes down in combat, you can use a bonus action to essentially get them up, get them back up with hit points, uh, which is always useful. And reset their death saves. Mm, Which the important bit. That's really important. Yeah. So you've got Arcane Lock at second level, Augury from the additional additional Druid spells, which um, I don't know if we've explicitly mentioned before, but I like Augury because... It can help adjudicate communication between a DM and a player in terms of if a player wants to say, is this encounter too high a level for us? The DM can return a verdict of, I think you're not quite ready for this by returning a bad omen to it. So you get the omen back and you say, this is an omen of woe for you. So you then go back to the party and say, all right, I've spoken to the big guy and they're saying probably not at the moment you know we can still go for it if you want but we're probably not geared up for this right now i I just want to say something about that as a dm Mm. i frequently feel the only answer i can give is wheel and woe i don't want to go yeah wheel Mm. when there are combats that shouldn't have been as hard that i've run for you guys that have just gone completely tits up yeah. And equally, there's been some very high-level combats that you've had where I've decided to just run in and just keep trying Stunning Strike until it worked. And then everybody else essentially had a free round of wailing on this poor mage who yeah, otherwise, or yeah. Yeah, otherwise has no real defences. I know this is straying into DM talk rather than this build, but that's got to be hard to, to balance out as a DM. I would say the thing that I find most difficult about that is that I worry sometimes that it makes the combat boring. And I think, I don't know this, but I think what you guys actually feel is, oh no, we have to do this to survive. Mm. So you, like when you had that hag, and you were just like, no, I'm going to chuck in all my... It's pretty I much. That, I think that was the combat where I just kept trying to stun and strike for stunning strike and you were like no bugger it Um, Mm. flurry of blows stunning strike stunning strike and it was like the final one of four attacks I think that actually hit and yeah it took a lot because the hag they have really good con yeah but if you just keep trying with uh, with stunning strike you'll get it eventually yeah I also I took heat metal mm-hmm because I don't know if we've explicitly gone over this before but druids don't wear metal armor no they do not it was stated in first edition advanced which is the one i do know that i now that i've played uh it was very explicitly stated in that it's not quite as clearly as stated unless you read all of the intro stuff for druids but they don't wear metal armor i think dnd beyond doesn't stop you from wearing it if you've got a druid character but along with that idea of them not wearing metal armor i also thought one of the things that's nice about uh, heat metal is you can choose a manufactured metal object such as a metal weapon or a suit of heavy or medium metal armor that you can see within range, which is 60 foot. Any creature in physical contact with the object takes 2d8 fire damage when you cast the spell. Note there that it doesn't sound like there's a save. I don't believe so. 
Yeah, until the spell ends, you can use a bonus action on each of your subsequent turns to cause this damage again. If a creature is holding or wearing the object or takes damage from it, the creature must succeed on a constitution saving throw or drop the object if it can. If it doesn't drop the object, it has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks until the start of your next turn. Remind me again, how long does it take to take off armour? Oh, that depends. Some of it's like a few minutes. A lot of it is like 10 minutes. Yeah. Now, one minute of combat is 10 rounds. Yeah. So you're talking about 100 rounds of combat where the fighter is dedicated to just taking their the armour off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there is the cast off armour. Yes, there is a cast-off armor that you can t- you can take off quickly, but the chances of a fighter who has that armor coming across very a spellcaster right. who right. has this spell. So this is a very, very nice spell. For- Essentially, if you can hide the druid from a fighter, this can massively, massively hobble it's a, a big, heavy tamp. Yeah, concentration yeah. up to one minute. So obviously you're vulnerable to ranged attacks knocking your concentration off. But you can really, really cause a big problem for a a combat that has a heavily armed opponent. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, a Helmed Horror shows up. It is a suit of plate mail and it can't take it off. Yeah, so it's just taking 2d6 damage every turn. every turn. And it's got disadvantage because it can't drop the object. I'll just check the holding, the or, wearing the holding or wearing the object. So if you're doing that to somebody who's got armor on, they've then got disadvantage on all their attacks because their armor is blisteringly hot. And we both know it's like 30 degree heat outside. There's no air con. Heat's not nice. No. Yeah. Oh God, imagine it mm. on your skin. Ooh. Yeah. So you've got invisibility and pass without trace, which I think are... You think they're the ones from Grassland? I think they're grassland uh, spells you get from grassland. I took Wither and Bloom from Strixhaven yep. because it's quite a nice idea for healing. Take from one, give the other. Yeah, it plays to that sort of druidic sense of balance. Third level, I took Daylight because I feel like it does massively change the landscape of a battle that's being held in darkness mm. because it takes away the advantage and it takes away the advantage and disadvantage balance. It's not concentration. If you're facing drought, it is automatic disadvantage. Or yeah. Jeragar or Darrow, I think. Quite possibly. I, I think I Darrow have some like There's a number of right. races where it either removes their advantage or it removes your disadvantage from the situation. So or gives them disadvantage, yeah. I think it's quite an underrated spell. And I think the reason that it's underrated is because it's third level and it's competing with some big hitter spells. You're competing with... Revivify. Yeah. Well, Revivify, Dispel Magic. How many times Count- can you... Do they get Counterspell? I don't think Druids get Counterspell. No, I don't think they do either. But Dispel Magic is a good one because then you can knock someone's buff off that they're relying yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Know, um, haste. Yeah. <laughs> For example, if someone's got haste on them, you go, yeah. nah, mate. I took Erupting Earth because it looked interesting when I mm. when I looked at it and it's not one that I've heard of a lot. Choose a point you can see on the ground within range. A fountain of churned earth and stone erupts in a 20-foot cube centred on that point. Each creature in that area must make a dexterity saving throw. A creature takes 3d12 bludgeoning damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a successful one. So it kind of seems like it's no fireball, but it's getting towards that level of doing a, a big chunk of damage to one area. Additionally, the ground in that area becomes difficult terrain until cleared. 
each five foot square portion of the area requires at least one minute to clear by hand. So if you've got a bunch of people that are still trying to get into a room through a corridor and you hit them as they're coming in, not only do you do a massive chunk of damage to them, you also turn it into difficult terrain. So you sort of... A 20 slow... foot cube is... Yeah, because that's 20 foot out from the centre of the cube, isn't it? Um, See, I always thought it was a cross. I didn't realise it was... I was just reading. Well, it, it might be. I, I've, I only learned the other day that by default, when you cast something in a cube, unless it specifically says a cube centred on you, you start on one of the edges of the cube and it casts away from you. So when you, when you cast Thunder Wave, because it says when you cast it in a cube, if you look in, I think it's the player handbook, hmm. where it explains about how that Mind works, that. it's you are on one edge of the cube, which makes sense with things like Thunder Wave because it's like you're going boom, and then it's like a huge wave that comes yeah, yeah. out in front of you. I'm just going to look that up. Yeah, yeah, w yeah. While you're... Well, while you look that up, the final spell on here is Haste, and I don't think we need to go over why Haste is useful or why it's a good spell to have. Having a druid having it is a good thing because it's normally, you know, then you've got the wizard needs to cast haste, which means they're not casting fireball, they're not casting in they're mm -hmm. not casting something else that's having a big effect on the, the landscape, you know. So if you can have the druid turn around and cast haste, that's pretty huge to be able to do that. The cube size is expressed as the length of each side. Okay, so it's not from the centre, it's the total width of the cube. But, I mean, still, 20 foot, that's pretty big. You're going to be hard-pressed to find many encounters where a corridor is less than 20 foot. Like if you're in a castle or you're in the corridors of a dungeon or something, it's not going to be many that are going to be wider than 20 foot, are they? So not can, many, no. You can block off quite successfully with... I like that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the spells. The race, class, and subclass choice. I don't think there's many choices from this race or subclass, which, again, like I say, the Mammon Tiefling, it gives you a couple of abilities, but you don't really choose any of the abilities. Mm -hmm. And with the subclass, it just gives you the extra spells. As I say, they're great spells, but it just gives you the extra spells. There's no... It's it's not like um, Wildfire, where it gives you your little flaming penis running around. Sorry, I'll give you a second to stop giggling. I wasn't expecting you to talk about flaming penises again. <laughs> Sentences I never thought I'd say. The problem is, I've just edited and put up the Wildfire Druid one. No, I, I've just I, listened to it. Yeah. So for us, that's the newest one. Whereas you probably listening to this, you've had you've had a week of respite with a drow, and now we're back to flaming we're back to flaming penises again. See, dog complaining. We've been complained at by the dog for stop talking about talking it about again. flaming penises. Please. All right, I'll stop. But Tasha's and Xanathar's extras. They're, they're just like little bits and bobs and yeah, add-ons. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's one that's interesting that we might go into in the second half, which is you can cast Find Familiar using your wild... There's, yes, you that's can. That's Tasha's add-on, according to this, page 35. Yeah, and you don't need material components. Mm, which yeah. is bonkers, because Druids should have always had Find Familiar, and I find it really, really weird they didn't. Yeah, it's good because a lot of Druids take there's some of the spells that are like Animal Companion or something, isn't there? There's a spell. Oh, shit. There's um, a couple of them which are for either Conjure charming, Woodland Beings, yeah. Conjure Animal, Conjure Beast, Summon yeah. Beast. Yeah, Find a Badger, essentially, spells. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of the spells that are like like find a woodland animal and then that woodland animal can run back and find the head of the guard and say, 
help the entire party's been killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got all of these, like, little animal companion Uh, spells. And having this as being able to burn one of your wild shape things rather than a spell slot to do that is nice. And it's it's also nice because you get your wild shapes back on a short rest, don't you? Is that planar messenger? Could be. I don't know. I can't remember what that's called. There's a couple of them where you can summon an animal. And you can either summon an animal to fight for you, or you can summon an animal to take messages back and forth places for you. Apart from that, I don't really think I've got anything interesting in terms of languages and proficiencies. Got proficiency in the herbalism kit. I think that circle of the land that gives you that. Or is I that think a it's a druid. Druid, yeah. Jeweler's tools as part of the previous occupation. I did, oh, that's really nice. did at one point think having clan crafter. But then the more I thought about it, the more I thought like, no, that's really starting to lean into the kind of stereotyping of a race that of, is... Of dwarves, accu- yeah. Well, uh, just, you know, a race in the real world that is often accused of horrible things to do with hoarding wealth. So I'm thinking like, I didn't want to go with that, but... That's fair enough. I know you've said that you didn't take a magic item. Yes, I didn't take a magic item with this. And I think that might be something that we could sort of look at things that would be good for this. Yeah. One of the magic items that I looked at, I think it was the Staff of the Woodlands or something, but yeah. it's a blue one. So if, I don't know, I feel like because of the problems that I've had with this build, I almost felt like just breaking the rules, taking a blue one and saying like, no, I'm taking this because that's making up <laughs> for the trouble I had building it. But this is not like when I had a go at Rangers and I had difficulty <laughs> with building a Ranger because of what I saw as the Ranger's fault. This is very much a me problem. Okay. The Druid is a good class. The Druid has a lot of flexibility. Yeah. And I think possibly because of how open this all is, there was nothing to kind of focus it in the way that the Wildfire Druid focused it into I'm taking fire spells. I'm taking a... Yeah, a, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I'm taking the, this companion. I'm doing this trick and stuff like that. There's a convergence of the ideas there into, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. Whereas with the Druid, it's so open. May I just I ask then, when it came to inspirations, mm. did you almost feel the only route I can take this is leaning into the essentialism of what Mammon Tiefling is and I don't want to do that? Kind of, yeah. That was the, in a way, I have used that in terms of this is like a mammon tiefling who was told, oh, you're a mammon tiefling, they're good at this. And they turned out to be not, crap at it. Not necessarily to be crap at it, but to just not have the heart for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's not them. And, you know, that falling apart and them discovering, like, hang on a second, there's these, you know, there's all these natural communities and there's these villages and druidic circles and stuff that have actually, now that all of that shit's gotten fucked up, you know they've actually been really really helpful and supportive and i like this and i'm, I'm gonna yeah. go for that I, I like that yeah I, I think that's really sweet mm. i feel like there's going to be a hell of a lot of this is just going to end up getting cut i think I'm this an, is really interesting I, while it's interesting also i'm aware that i'm a knob <laughs> and i'm probably not being as sensitive as possible with all of this like i'm, j- I'm just going to apologize outright for being a knob and even approaching that subject but i feel like because of the background of Mammon Tiefling. I want to at least address that that's a a weird thing to see in the same way that, like, when you think about J.K. Rowling's goblins, you kind of go, oh, shit. Yeah. You know. 
it should be noted this is a legacy set of tiefling traits is it it's from it, it is from Tome of Foes yeah it's from Gnome of Toes and they've taken a lot of stuff out of Gnome of Toes and then just not put it in Multiverse of Madness featuring Doctor Strange yeah I mean, that's one of the things that I like about the vanilla tiefling is it's something that crops up in your character's backstory. It's not really anything to do with your character. Mm -hmm. And I think it even says in the PHB, tieflings are vilified and that may be something you want to approach in your setting. And I know there's a lot of settings now where they've kind of like... People at tables just don't want to deal with like stand-in racism issues. Like they just want to have a good time playing and they don't want to have to explore these issues. So I think for yeah. a lot of settings, it's going to just be like, oh, you're a tiefling. Yeah, that's fine. Just as a note, this is before Wizards of the Coast announced any of the new changes to tieflings. So, uh, you know, we were already ahead of the curve on this one. I mean, when you read the description, it does actually say that tieflings can just be born to couples of any racial affiliation. Mm. It can just be like, yeah, we're two half... Oh, shit, tiefling. You know? And it's heritage that comes from devils because it's infernal. Mm. And that could have been a fiend warlock who has to give up their child to be fiendish. It could be a succubus, incubus, cambion tricking someone and then them getting pregnant I, again that's another hot potato and a huge can of worms yeah but in my setting specifically tieflings are the result of the blood wars effect on the material plane oh right okay so they're not seen as inherently bad they're not pitied either it's more like these people exist and they're still good people mm. however they do look different Mm. There are differences, and that's the effect of the blood war on the material plane. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to handle it as sensitively as possible. I'm probably not doing yeah. a very good job. We are both white men. Mm. But there we go. Uh, there is one final thing that I wanted to mention about this build. Oh, go on. Which is that it is a tiefling. Mm -hmm. It is a druid. Mm -hmm. I did try to look at getting an owlbear wild shape in there, just to be annoying. But... Couldn't do it. At level five, there's not any way of doing it. You can do it with polymorph, I think. Yeah, I've heard there's various ways if there's a really high level one, which is shape, shape change. change. And you can do that at will, which would explain how she was able to turn from a horse into an owlbear. Yeah. Which is what appears to be happening at the start of the trailer. Yeah. But I don't think there's any way you can do it at level five unless the DM just goes, yeah, fuck it, have an owlbear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Circle of the Moon would have to be level nine. To turn into an owlbear. Well, you could just have, like, you were raised by owlbears. I think we mentioned in one of the previous episodes that there's one of the elven lore things says that... Oh, they, I mentioned this, yeah. Yeah, says that they have seen... that like, There's, like, elves have seen them, like, flocking and, you know, they used to see them at the, at the bottom of their trees or something yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So you could have, like, someone who was just raised by owlbears. I think the idea is if they're a monstrosity, you wouldn't be able to pacify them and bond with them and study them to the extent you need to wild shape into them that's maybe an argument for why you can't do that but again if you say somebody who did get close to owlbears who did pacify them and did spend that amount of time it's certainly something that is well within the remit of a dm to say yeah i'll, I'll allow that yeah absolutely 
May I uh, start on mine? Yes, if we move on to yours, because I think that's as much as I'm going to be able to, to wring out of mine. I think I've just kind of put some generic tiefling and some generic druid stuff into I, mine so that you don't have to talk about it in yours. Uh, well, I have to say, I think you've done a really good job of not being generic. I've nicked some of your content for my half because I felt like it was a bit... <laughs> I don't feel like I've really put enough, as much work into this as I have with some of the other builds. That's fair. I don't feel like it's really come together as well. I'll be honest, I don't think I've done as much work on mine, to be honest. That's, yeah. I, it's very much a me problem and not a druid problem. Yeah. I'd like to introduce you to Crunch. <laughs> nice. Okay, so this is Monty Crunch Crezzo. Named after, in honour of the Dungeon Dude... I think I did that by accident, <laughs> more than anything else. The, my picture I've chosen has quite a pronounced chin, and oh, okay. as does Monty. Yeah, um, A good chin. I'm not trying good to take chin. the piss out of the man. I don't know if that's just the beard. Because I, I have a habit of not shaving for a long time, and then shaving when I have to go and like meet relatives or go and do something properly. Yeah. And then I just look at myself, look at my face in the mirror and go like, where's half your face gone? <laughs> so, crunch. Yes. I mean, that is a joke in and of itself because it's crunch, rules-based, mm-hmm. fluff, nice. story-based, nice. you know, that kind of thing. And the, the pun is, is that this is more story-based than crunch-based, I suppose. Okay. So, I, like you, did struggle, struggled with the idea of this essentialism, mm-hmm. and I used it to springboard into an idea. So, I was thinking, like, tenseless floating disc really stuck in my mind for some reason. And I'm like, well, if they were carting a horde around... Where would they have got it from? And I'm like, well, hordes. Dragons. Where are you most likely to find a dragon? Mountain. So I was a mountain for a little bit. And then Mm. eventually I came to the Underdark Tiefling. Okay. I do appreciate that I've accidentally become the edgelord in this. (laughs) If you look at my builds, a lot of them are like... I'm a bounty hunter, I've lost all my parents, I'm going to kill the thing. And and I I don't mean to do that. I'm quite Mm. a sunny, jovial person most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, like, how averse to violence am I in real life? And yet I always seem to end up making these psychopaths who (laughs) stick bags over people's heads and tie them to chairs and torture them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut cut their skin (laughs) off with a dagger. I just haven't forgotten that. I showed that to my to Katie, and she sort of did the wide-eyed, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to tell you where I put my uh, ability scores, just yeah. get that out of the way. So, they, the 15 is in Wisdom, the 14 is in Constitution, the 13 is in Intelligence, no, the 12 is in Dexterity, the 10 is in Strength, mm. and the Charisma was 8, but because you get a plus 2, I kept Legacy Stats. Yeah, I did as well, but like I say, I don't really feel like I benefited from it or made use of it at all. And he's in lives in the Underdark. Mm. And I kind of liked this idea of some chap running around the Underdark, slightly warped by the generic sort of background magic of the Underdark. Because this is implied yeah. that there is this magic that permeates the Underdark and it's just sort of in the background, almost like um, white noise. Yeah. And it's um, slowly mutating you Ooh. And, and affecting you, which is why we need an Underdark-touched feet. Oh, I was thinking sorcerer background. See, that would be really cool as well, man. Yeah. I mean, you could shadow sorcerer, you could probably flavour that as... Yeah, you could do. But it's not as good. But an Underdark sorcerer would be better. Wizards, take note. Mm-hmm. Of the coast, not just people who play wizards. So I'm a hermit who they are out wandering around in the uh, in the underdark, 
Yeah. And they are massively shunned from every society. The Dero don't want him. The Duergar don't want him. Okay. The Drow don't want him. The Mind Flayers aren't so keen. <laughs> Even Grum, Grub Candle wants nothing to do no, with him. No, Grum's like, oh, it's that dickhead again. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Grum just uses his, like, free invisibility thing to just be like, oh, no, no. So, like, kind <laughs> of an in. insular pseudo-philosopher. Mm. Same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, personality traits. I often get lost in my own thoughts and contemplation, becoming oblivious to my surroundings. Mm. It me. I, I think I've made myself. <laughs> I've been isolated for so long that I rarely speak, preferring gestures and the occasional grunt. I'm sure nobody at home can relate to that. No. Live and let live. Meddling in the affairs of others only causes trouble. Hmm? Then don't really care about other people. Yeah. Which you might find difficult to play at your game. Yeah. At the table. But... But kind of like, yeah, live and let live, and then suddenly they like come alive in combat or know how to yeah. solve all these problems, and they're just like, yeah, I know stuff, I just don't do anything about it. I think it's probably difficult to play that char- that type of character in terms of getting them into a party. I've been listening to a lot of Brennan Lee Mulligan's Adventuring Academy podcast, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of the episodes about that are about how do you draw players into the adventure? How do you give them something that makes them feel like we want this rather than this is what we're supposed to be doing to have players who are like, oh, we want this. We've got to kill that guy sort of thing. What you do, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) is you give them an unspeaking dwarf friend. I think he, rather than being mute, he had an injury to his voice box. Yeah, he has a star across his throat. Yeah. A, a non-speaking dwarf yeah, um, who makes grabby hands when he wants you to take stuff and is kind of sweet. And then yeah. you kill him. You kill him dead. And then you go, well, if you if you uh, follow the dragon sword, you might be able to yeah. find a resurrection scroll. We want to save Custer. Even to the point that one of the party has died in pursuit of this. Cesare has now died. And he's just on ice, having somebody casting gentle repose on him every two-ish weeks. Yeah. It's ten days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, ten days. You've clarified that for me before, but there's just somebody... get away with ten working days. There's somebody gentle reposing him, and I'm assuming what we're going to do is we're going to get back with this scroll of resurrection, and then the high-level people are going to work out a way to duplicate it, so that then they have the ability to do it. Because if we have to choose between Cesare and Custer... Custer's going to win. Custer's going (laughs) to win. Custer is absolutely going to be the one who gets res. Uh, no, it's actually way worse than that. Anyway, <laughs> Bonds, should my discovery come to light, it could bring ruin to the world. Ooh. Uh, flaws. I like keeping secrets and won't share them with anyone. Hmm. This is one thing we've said before about the Hermit is rather than it being like the Outlander who is somebody who just lives in a hut on their own in the hills, the Hermit has usually imposed solitude on themselves for a reason mm-hmm. haven't they either to research something or because they've got a terrible secret or something I like, like that. the idea that Monty thinks he's imposed it upon himself oh okay yeah but actually it's just because no one will talk to him <laughs> <laughs> so he treks around the underdark mm. searching for deep dragons Ooh. deep dragons were introduced in Fizzbands. Yeah, I haven't read much of Fizz. I know you know a lot more about Fizzbands dragons. Fizzbands, Fizzbands was a huge source of inspiration to me, mm. um, and I know that sounds a little trite, but I really well, do. Re- I mean, the game is called Dungeons and, and dragons. dragons. Yeah, yeah. but it being this book that just goes, "Do you like dragons?" Because we got dragons, boy. <laughs> really appealed to me. The deep dragon in older editions was this kind of 
silvery, pale grey, like, armoured dragon. Ooh. It looked a lot like... Rather, it called to mind those pictures you see of armoured fish from the Devonian period and things. Oh, okay, well, like yeah. prehistoric armoured fish. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's just my hmm. take, but that's how I see it. But the new ones, they exhale spores... They spend so much time around these spores that as they get older, fungi grow around their neck and their arms and and their tail. So they're kind of like these walking mushroom forests with wings. Mm. And they kind of, they also look a lot like, um, the new version looks a lot like the Nazgul Mm. in the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, or more like it, you know. I see, I was imagining, um, I was imagining that Pokemon the third stage evolution of it is a turtle with like trees and shit on its back. Oh, Torterra. Yeah, Torterra. I was I was imagining like Torterra. No, no, no. Let me let me. F- hang on. I'm going to show you pictures. You can do this at home. Yeah. This is what they look like now. Oh, okay. And nice. they've kind of got like these frog-like mouths. And so that's the image of the deep dragon that appears on the Forgotten Realms wiki. If yeah. you're googling, it is also the one that is in Fizban's Treasury of Dragons for yeah. Deep Dragon. If I remember. When I tweet the promo for this episode, I'll try and attach that image to the comments. I, I don't know, man. I, I just really like it. If you'll excuse the phrase, it looks degenerate. It is a cousin of chromatic dragons. Mm. It's kind of like the Etin or the trolls of dragons. You know, that they're part of giants. They are giants. Yeah. They are, have a place in the ordering. It's just sort of underneath. Mm. And, and the same for dragon hierarchy. Yeah. Uh, with deep dragons underneath. I, I kind of like it. Whereas they used to be like sleek and kind of... They just look like silvery dragons. Now they're this kind of disgusting thing. I like both. I just prefer the new one. So where were we going with this diversion about dragons? Okay. So that's where Tensor's Floating Disc came in. So Tensor's Floating Disc is for carrying hordes of gold. Mm -hmm. What's going to have a horde? Deep dragons. Yeah. Okay. Their discovery is the Elder Brain Dragon, which is also in Fizzbands. Okay. Which is when Mind Flayers capture a dragon... Oh, that's so messed up. I love that. They bring it back to the brine pool mm-hmm. where the elder brain is kept, and the elder brain slithers out of the pool onto the back of the dragon. <laughs> and its breath, you might be thinking, oh, easy, mind blast, just bigger. Oh, no, no, no. It breathes mind flayer tadpoles. Oh. So Monty is now putting together a team of people that he can train up so that they can go and fight an elder brain dragon. You know, before it finds a way to the surface or not, and yeah. takes on some of these larger population. I kept the standard racial bonuses. I took a feat. You took a feat. I took the observant feat. I wandered back and forth between Fae touched and shadow touched, and mm-hmm. because of how the underdark is, I reckon you could argue that either of those two could actually be an underdark yeah. touched thing to get an extra plus one to wisdom. And then I saw observant. And I was like, this guy would know everything. About mm. where he is. And, you know, he's kept outside of society, so he can lip read, because that's all he can do, because he's not allowed to talk to him. I get confused between alert and observant. Right. So what's observant, specifically? I'm not going to be able to tell you what alert is, but I can read yeah. observant to you. You increase your inter-whiz score by one. I chose mm-hmm. whiz. If you can see a creature's mouth while it is speaking a language you understand, you can interpret what it's saying by reading its lips. Okay. You have a plus five bonus to your passive perception and passive investigation scores. That's the one I was thinking about, yeah. Yeah. So it is that one. Because no one wants to talk to them, they have to work out what's going on by watching everyone else speak. Oh, bless. (laughs) And now he's like, big problem. Come Mm. at me. And that's why he's part of a team. That's that's his thing. He's like, I want to be with a team of people so that I know that this can be solved in the future. 
and that's why he doesn't want to get involved with everyone else's business because he just wants to keep everyone alive yeah and you know get to defeating this elder brain dragon okay I don't really have any weird tricks or anything like that I'm sure I might come up with one and to be fair like neither of us is saying you can't do weird tricks with druids you can do loads Loads of of weird weird tricks with druids yeah loads I kind of feel guilty because we mentioned a lot of druid tricks and I did a lot of druid tricks in the wildfire druid build. Mm -hmm. And now that we're actually doing a druid as the main class, I kind of feel like I've done that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, Agreed. I do understand that. Standout skills. Let me just go to my skills, please. My medicine is plus six. My nature is plus five. My religion is plus five. My survival is plus six. But my passive... Wow. My passive perception is 18. Yikes. Yeah. That's approaching, like, Caduceus level. Yeah, it is. His Um, his was, like, 24 or something by the end. Yeah. By the end of the campaign, he had an absolutely crazy... My passive int is 17, and my passive insight is 13. Okay. One thing I wanted to point out about boosting intelligence for a druid. We go through my saving throws. Yeah. My strength is plus zero. Yeah. My dexterity is plus one. My con is plus two. My intelligence is plus five because druids are proficient in wis- in intelligence saving throws. All right, okay. So it didn't feel that much of a waste to me to boost intelligence. I think it also fits with the fluff because if you're going to be facing elder brains and mind flayers and stuff like that, I made the mistake very early on in your campaign of saying, oh, I love mind flayers, <laughs> as in I love mind flayer fluff. And then we actually faced intellect devourers and mind flayers, and they were always going to be there. Yeah, rest I, assured that it wasn't you who had it. I don't them. love them so much in terms of facing them in combat, but I love the fluff. I love all the stuff about like the elder brains and the brine pools and. I meant elder brain dragon. How is that not the coolest thing you've ever heard? Of? It's it's great. Yeah, and wisdom saving throw plus six, charisma plus zero. So if you if you want a weird trick, quote unquote, mm-hmm. boost your intelligence as a druid. Hmm. It will help. And I also like the idea with fighting mind flayers is like druids as protectors of nature and mind flayers as being something that's unnatural as an aberration. They are unnatural on a cosmological scale. Hmm. The far realm is outside of the outer realms. And if you read descriptions of the far realms, it's infinite layers of 2D planes next to each other or like very thin 3d planes that you hop between and you know gravity doesn't make sense it's uh pretty crazy okay for my chemtrips mm-hmm. i chose druidcraft i chose frostbite which one's frostbite again because there's two frosty boys in the cantrips one of them slows you down by 10 foot and the other one gives you disadvantage. Frostbite is when you hit, they take a d6 of cold damage and have disadvantage on the next weapon attack roll. Right. Ray of Frost is the slow, slow you down. down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in a fashion, they both slow you down if you think about it. Yeah. yeah. I took Guidance as well. Mm-hmm. And well, you get Mage Hand. And I took Primal Savagery over Shillelagh. Primal Savagery is a nice one. Primal Savagery, there is no reason. I just know that we've talked about Shillelagh a lot. And I thought... Mm. It's still a melee spell attack, I believe. It really fits with the druid fluff as well. Yeah. And also the idea of them being in the Underdark, being around those things, 
It made yeah, a little, nice. just a little more sense than Shillelagh. The idea that like the magic of the Underdark changes you, so you have a cantrip that literally Jimmy changes, changes you. you. Yeah. yeah, it's somewhat we, thematic. I don't think we've mentioned it before, so if you just sort of spell out what it does for the... Uh, we've never mentioned it before. Um, you channel primal magic to cause your teeth or fingernails to sharpen, ready to deliver a corrosive attack. Make a melee spell attack against one creature within five feet of you. On a hit, the target takes 1d10 acid damage. After you make the attack, your teeth or fingernails return to normal. This increases to 2d10. Yeah, again, because we're building for fifth level, that means your cantrips just click over into that point. To the big boy. This is actually one argument for taking a dip in a spellcast, especially if you're playing like a one-shot or a short campaign that you're going to be mostly at level five or you're going to be starting at level five. That argument for taking a dip into a caster class to get those cantrips really boosts it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. First level spells, I've got Absorb Elements. Healing word, purify food and drink, because they're in the Underdark. Mm -hmm. This was more of a thematic one. No, that's a really good point. If you're going into the Underdark and the DM says, like, we're doing a survival bit in here. I tend the challenge. I genuinely don't think anyone at our table would appreciate if I did that. I think it would just be busy work for everyone. Yeah. I think things like rations and stuff like that, generally, it's better done as, like, you are going on a journey that will take this many days. You must buy this many, many rations. rations. And then you just assume that the rations are there while you're travelling. Yeah. I took Healing Spirit at second level. Cool. Uh, Old Faithful. I took Locate Animals or Plants, Spider Climb, and Web. Spider Climb's a nice one because I didn't realise that, that was on there. And like I said, if I'd thought about it... Having spider climb and heat metal is quite a nasty combination because you can just, just bugger off up. Yeah, yeah. Like, as well, spider was, climbs concentration as is heat metal. Well, yeah, but you could climb up to a climb up to a nook where you don't need to be spider climbing anymore, and then you just sit up there and heat metal on mm-hmm. the fighter, and then the fighter can't get to you. At third level, I took aura of vitality, which is an extra spell. It's from the additional druid spells. It used to be a paladin only spell. Okay, so it's interesting druids have got it. It was added in Tasha's. Tasha's added aura of vitality to it. That is concentration, and as a bonus action, you can just uh, pop 2d6 of healing onto someone. As long as they're within 30 feet. Dispel magic. Gaseous form. That's got some interesting uses. That's got some very interesting uses. One you have of... a flying speed of 10 feet, and but it's concentration <coughs> for an hour, and you can just, if you're in the Underdark, you can mm. use it to cross ravines and all sorts of stuff. Is it self, or can you cast it on other people? Let me just... It's touch. Right. So it could be you or someone else. So what you can do with this, if you have a bottle, you can make a paladin grenade. I read about this on one of the D&D meme pages, which is where you get a bottle that can contain the volume of the gaseous form. You turn your paladin into a gaseous form. You throw the grenade at a group of enemies. Paladin grenade. My face lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> I actually felt it go, oh my god. <laughs> wow. That's uh, made me so happy. Yeah, that's another weird use of gaseous form. Revivify I took. Mm-hmm. I don't have a diamond for it, but you'll probably get one. For the purposes of us, we yeah. can't add one. But um, Well, we can, but uh, with my druid, I would probably have taken that as a third level option. And then for the magic item done, that the thing I said before yeah. with taking the elemental gem. It's there. And then I think that's also interesting as a druid to have that as well. You use an elemental gem to raise somebody and either an elemental pops out as well because clearly by the time somebody needs Revivify, the battle is going badly Mm -hmm. and an elemental popping up and running around is going to just change the balance a little bit. 
or if they pop up as an elemental and then at the end of the combat they sort of settle into their normal form. I might do some shenanigans where you have they come back as a earth genetic. Yeah. I think it would be fun for the DM to think about something yeah. that could happen if you used an elemental gem to revivify. And I took stinking cloud. That might actually be part of the subclass spell list. It could be. Uh, I can't quite remember. It's essentially a massive fart. You create a 20-foot radius sphere of yellow nauseating gas centred on a point within range. The range is 90 foot. So this is if you're scouting out and you see a little party of Darrow or Dwergar or Drow and you're like, no, I don't want those following me. Bad Drow, not just any old Drow. you got like material components like some milk. It's uh, rotten it's egg like... or several skunk cabbage leaves. Oh, right, okay, so it's not just lactose intolerance. No. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty close to lactose intolerance. You lob that 90 feet. Each creature that is complete within, completely within the cloud at the start of its turn must make a constitution saving throw against poison. Mm. On a failed save, the creature spends its action that turn retching and reeling. <laughs> Creatures that don't need to breathe or are immune to poison automatically succeed on this saving throw. A moderate wind, at least 10 miles per hour, mm. disperses the cloud after four rounds. Oh, after four rounds? Yeah. Because I was going to say there's the spell, is it Gust? The, you can use and there's that Gust clear... as a cantrip and there's Gust of Wind, the spell. Hmm. I don't know the wording on either of them to tell you yeah. the, the difference. A strong wind, at least 20 miles per hour, disperses it after one round. Oh, okay. So you... Not immediately. After one round. Hmm. So even if there is a strong wind, you use a round of it and you have deleted a turn for the enemies within that. Yeah. Um. So that's my spells. Tasha's and Zenithar's extras, I took Druid. Cantric versatility. Mm-hmm. I don't think I used it, but I took it. I always think that's quite a nice one because I sometimes feel there's some abilities with some of the classes you can kind of lock yourself into. And if you don't have an understanding DM, like where you said, you can take a month to retrain from Drunken Master. That was a whole month. Yeah, you can take a month of downtime to retrain from Drunken Master to something. I mean, I think we were waiting a month for something anyway. Unbeknownst to you, a lot happened in that (laughs) month. Languages and proficiencies, common druid, infernal, and my favourite, primordial. Mm. Thinking about it now, I would actually take Undercommon. Yeah. And I am proficient in navigator's tools. I don't think I bought them. I know it doesn't work very well mechanically, but fluff-wise, it actually fits into the flavour of the character. They're in the Undercommon, but they can't speak it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my magic item Mm. is Nature's Mantle, which I've mentioned before. Yes. Uh, Nature's Mantle is a cloak that... Uh, you can use a spell casting focus for your druid and ranger spells. That's really useful. While you are in an area that is lightly obscured, you can hide as a bonus action even if you are being directly observed. Mm. So that means that you can now use a spell such as Frostbite. I mean, you can technically even do it Primal Savagery and other things and you would have advantage. Mm. So yeah, bonus action, hide, and then do whatever you've got to yeah. do frostbite or send out healing spirits so no one can find you mm-hmm. i mean i didn't take very many damaging things it was more fucking with people that's monty crunch Crezo. Hmm. shall we um i think we just take a break with that i think we've both got fairly low armor classes i got 15 which isn't i, I mean... took hide armor thank you for reminding me i bought hide armor yeah before we break the one thing i want to say to the audience is unless your dm's a prick you can completely argue to having a breastplate or similar made out of some non-metal material. Especially if you kill a boulette. Mm. Actually, it's supposed to be pronounced boulet. 
I found out. Oh. Yeah. If you kill a brulee, a creme brulee, and you have the armour, I don't see any reason why your druid can't wear half plate, breastplate, etc. made out of that. There is an item that I was looking up, which it's purple rarity, so it's, it, there is yeah, yeah. no way we could get it in the build. But there is dragon scale armour that you can get at higher levels, which not only does it function as scale armour... Druids can wear it because it's not made of metal mm-hmm. and it gives you resistance to the type of damage that that dragon would be resistant to. Yeah. Important to remember that druids do have proficiency with medium armour. Yeah. They do have that. So I think that's good. We're going to have a break. Maybe talk to the dog. Yeah. He's snoozing in the background. He is snoozing. What a good boy. Right. See you back in, well, 10 seconds. Right. right. Welcome back to part three of Drunk Women Solving Crime. <laughs> oh, I'm really giggly today. I didn't quite realise that I was really giggly. <laughs> right. General discussion. Okay. Let's talk about race. race. <laughs> I'm glad that these different tieflings have been removed from Monsters of the Multiverse. Yeah. What they should have done with tiefling is said, here is a list of cantrips, choose one. Here is a list of first level spells, choose one. Here is a list of second level spells, choose one. You get these at first, third and fifth level. Mm. And you can mix and match and create a cool thing there. That's what should have happened. I think when you first said like Mammon Tiefling and then I went and looked it up and I was like, all right, I'm assuming that's the name of a devil that it's associated with. I think it's a particular circle of the nine hells. Yeah. So when I first looked at that, I thought, oh, cool. They're all tieflings, but they're all based around the different infernal circles. Yeah. I just think in this case, it's really not a good look to have a race that is... is greedy. Yeah, particularly for gold. I yeah. think that's really not a good look. Um, that said, if you wanted to um, make gold member <laughs> for Austin Powers 3, which you shouldn't because it's a bad movie, mm. if you wanted to take... <laughs> I'm in tiefling background. The thing is, I mean, when I was looking through the other types yeah. of tieflings, I, I was just sort of like scrolling through since I was there. I was looking at them, I was thinking, oh, that's that's really interesting that they've done them about the different types yeah. Of, yeah. of infernal background. It's just unfortunate that it creates this situation. Because it's not based on the seven deadly sins, because there's nine of them. I kind of wish that it had been based more on the features of that realm, rather than the features of the lords themselves. Yeah. Because, you know, Levistus is an icy wasteland, or where Levistus lives. I can't quite remember which way around it is. But regardless, that would have been much cooler. Yeah. And would have worked better with Druid. Is there anything you want to add on that, or...? Um, I'm just looking it up so I can scroll through the alter- the other, I'd say, infernal origins. It's sort of like the sorceress origins, but mm. it's... Um... Just for tieflings. Yeah. I think there's a lot of great flavour in there. I just think this one is done poorly. Yeah. Yeah, look, all the variants. Yeah, Balzabal, Dispater, Fiona, Glazier, Levistus, mm. Mephistopheles. That's from Cats, isn't it? Just playing everyone, I know what it oh, is. I know, I know. Yeah, Levistus is the chap from Stygia, and Stygia is like a frozen wasteland. You mm. get Ray of Frost, you get Armour of Agathis, and you get Darkness. Look, that is actually just a better version. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Zariel Tiefling... They get two different smite spells. They get Searing Smite and Branding Smite. Mm -hmm. And they know Thaumaturgy. Uh, Mephistopheles, it's a frozen realm of Kanya. Mephistopheles offers arcane power to those who entreat with him. 
Tiefling can to him master some arcane magic. You get Mage Hand, Burning Hands, and Flame Blade. Mm -hmm. Which, if you're going for a casty class, that's actually really good. Glazier, yeah. Minor Illusion, Disguise Self, and Invisibility. Fiona is a Master Manipulator. See, this is nice. Grant's Tiefling's tied to her forceful personalities. Mm. That doesn't have to be negative. Yeah, you could use that for, like, a leader, kind of like you were doing with, was it the Bard that you did? Yeah. Where it was, like... The, oh, the inspiring I, leader, etc. Yeah. I know it was kind of billed as a joke about uh, Taylor, Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift yeah. but you did put a lot of stuff in there that was about, like, inspiring speech feet and things. Yeah, you yeah, could yeah. really lean into that with that. Well, you get friends, charm, person, and suggestion. Mm -hmm. You know, you could play that as a great diplomat who uses magic to help people come to their senses. Mm. I mean, it's slightly underhanded, but still. Yeah, Balzabal gets Thaumaturgy, Ray of Sickness, and Crown of Madness, which Crown of Madness is a great name for a spell. <laughs> in terms of implementation, it doesn't work quite no. as well as some of the other options, but I mean, it's a great name for a spell, especially an infernal spell that a tiefling always knows. The Dispater tiefling gets Thaumaturgy, Disguise Self, and Detect Thoughts. Hmm. Again, that gives you a character who could be trying to use these quote-unquote underhanded spells for good. I don't really see how you can turn greed for coin into a positive the same way. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where a set of vices, the desire to acquire wealth, is a vice. Mm. Like, you look at that as... You know, that, that is definitely something that societally is seen as a vice. I just think when you have a specific, specific race that's doing yeah. that, it's... You see, if this had been tieflings tied to him tend to obsess over collecting, mm. that would have been far less racist and far yeah, more interesting. Yeah. I think it's specifically that it's like money and yeah. gold. It's a bit... And I think, like, if they valued something and wanted more of that something, mm. I think that would be a little better. Instead of just bagging on that, though, what do you think of the subclass itself? So for this subclass, as in the... Circle uh, of the Land. The Circle of the Land, yeah. Similar sort of thing to the race. It just gives you extra spells. Agreed. Um, there are some things, like, obviously I mentioned in the first half, the Circle of Wildfire gives you its own abilities that you can add on. Yeah. Uh, there's most of the other things that we've done as a subclass have given you something that really feeds into the subclass's identity. Oh. And this is more of a fluff identity, I feel like. Yeah. It gives you the extra spells, which are nice. You know, a lot of people would look at the Grassland, Circle yeah. of the Land one that I chose, and immediately say, you've got a Druid with haste. That's fantastic to some people, but I think as well, there's a lot of subclasses that give you neat little tricks and fun things you can do, and I don't feel like, apart from giving you weird extra spells, this doesn't really add a lot onto the Druid kit. One fix that I see a lot... And when I say a lot, I don't just mean it's mm. often said. I mean, almost every table I've heard talk about this says, oh, this is what we do, is that when you enter a new territory, you gain those spells. Okay. So, per long rest, once you rest in the area, you change your circle as you attune to the land. That would be an interesting way to play, because it's... I want to point out, I would absolutely have that at my table that's sort of like the dungeon dude's fix for wild magic sorcerer where 
all of the other subclasses of sorcerer get extra spells. Or oh, they, they were giving extra yeah. spells. Yeah. So the the fix that the dungeon dudes came up with is that the wild magic sorcerer gets random spells after a long rest. It would be a bit fiddly to do with D&D Beyond. You'd probably need like a separate notepad to manage the extra spells that you know mm-hmm. and which ones you've got on a particular day and things like that. But I do like the idea of having something that's kind of not necessarily out of your control, but something that changes as a player that you then have to deal Absolutely. with. Absolutely. And so it, it would be... I think we mentioned this with Talison's version of the weird barbarian that he's, he's got, got where he has it. to roll to see what weird rage he gets. I think having something like that where you get up at the start of the day and there's a chance that you could just be like, I know Fireball. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it just having that thing where you wake up in the morning, you're like, I know these spells today. There is one thing that you get from Circle of the Land. Yeah. I didn't realise it was Circle of the Land that gave you this. I was reading an article about recommended magic items you can take as a druid. Yeah. And the thing they were saying is, oh, you can't get spells back on a short rest. You can with Circle Circle of the Land. Land. You do get the wizard type thing. You can regain some of your magical energy by sitting in meditation and communing with nature. You can choose expended spells. You can do it as a short rest. Yeah, during a short rest, you can choose expended spell slots to recover. I'm just thinking about that in terms of monks they get their key points back on a short back rest. on a short rest but they only have to spend half an hour of it meditating mm-hmm. to get the key points back they don't get the other benefits of a short rest but the key points specifically you only need to spend half an hour meditating oh right so if you only get a half hour short rest and you spend that meditating you can get your key points back so if you were pulling some bullshit and trying a monk druid build which is a difficult one, but they both... It's less both, difficult than you think. They both arguably key off wisdom. Okay, but you can use your wisdom modifier for your armour class as a druid. And you're going to pump that as high as possible. Yeah. So you could have a 16. So I was just looking through this because I think I just looked at the spells and missed everything else. Um, There's there not are much else other, to miss, though. There are some things you get at uh, higher levels, which we'll talk about in Future of the Build from this, but they don't seem hugely useful. Mm-hmm. But the natural recovery, I missed the fact that that was Circle of the Land, so that is pretty useful, being able to get at least one spell slot back with your wild shapes on a short rest. My problem with that is that, really, what spells are you using from the Druid spell list that aren't concentration... And thus you wouldn't have had up for the entire combat. Like with a wizard, you can now go, right, I'm going to cast shield here because I can get shield, you know, I can get a couple mm. more spell slots back. Whereas a druid, you're going to concentrate on your spell and chuck cantrips around. Because of how a druid usually works, yeah. I don't think it gives you enough back. That's no, true. Correction. You're not using enough so that when you gain it back, you go, oh no, I've got enough now to do some really cool stuff. I you're- mean... What's that healing thing? Healing spirit? Yeah, is that a bonus action? It's a bonus action to move, yes. Right, okay. So you could put that up, and then you could be commanding that while you're in wild shape. Yeah, but this is my point. Mm. You're not using spells because you've wild shaped. No, I mean, you cast that first. So you're in wild shape, you're doing your druid thing, you're biting people's faces off as a wolf, and then bonus action, you can heal people. Yes, you can do that, and that's a great thing. What I'm trying to say is, with a wizard, you have spells that you can cast on your turn, that use spell slots. Uh For a druid, unless it's concentration or a ritual, you really actually don't. 
So I don't think the recovery is as useful because you go, oh yes, on a short rest, I get my my one or two spell slots that I used back for, for two concentration spells. Whereas for a wizard, you go, okay, I'm level two, I get a spell slot back, I know I've got shield. I've already used three spells or whatever, I've got it. I think it's a nice extra having it's, it back on a short rest and it might be something that you know you end up needing with that one spell slot. Not necessarily in combat, yeah. but it is a nice extra thing to not yeah. be like, I've used all of my spell slots and now I'm just a dog. Yeah, just don't think it's as necessary... As it is for a wizard. As it is for a wizard, where a yeah. wizard has so many spells. If you go if you go into DMV Juvion and do the searching and search for this would be difficult, but spells that don't have the ritual tag and spells that aren't concentration, twenty maybe, across mm. all nine spell levels. You're less likely to be standing there going, Right, I'm a druid. Here is fireball. Here is lightning bolts, I think. And now, clerics have this anyway, where they can regain a spell slot, or some spell slots equal to... They have to, to use their channel, channel divinity, divinity don't they? But yeah. they get channel divinity back on a short rest. Mm. And you only get this once per day. So it's only once per day you can get a spell slot back on a short rest. Whereas a cleric, who's there in full chainmail, with a shield in one hand going, you know, flipping the bird to everyone else as they shoot sacred flames... Yeah. And put up spiritual weapon and heal, they can get that back. Okay. Admittedly, it does help with healing words and stuff like that. I just don't think it's as prescient or as necessary as it is for a wizard. I think if you were taking the you can change it depending on where you are, I think the stock rises a lot for this subclass. Otherwise yeah. I think it's a bit I love druids. I really, really do like druids and the Wildfire Druid, hmm. the Stars Druid, now I know which they are, and the Moon Druid, they're just so fun. But the land, it doesn't feel enough. Yeah. It really doesn't feel enough. Would you say Druid should be treated as a hybrid caster? Because their spells levels mm-hmm. advance at the same sort of speed as like a, a wizard, wizard or, or a sorcerer or a cleric, yeah. things like that. But because of the fact that they have like the wild shape ability and that affects it so much, they are kind of a half caster class. Okay, your level two druid being able to transform into a wolf and have advantage on all its attacks because of pack tactics, and I believe keep its uh, social stats. That is when it's worth taking a level of monk because then you can keep your wisdom score for when you wild shaped. Yeah, just one level of monk. That's all you need. Hmm. Or indeed, one level of barbarian to uh, to get rage. Yes, that's mm. really useful. At level twenty, you can turn into a CR one creature. I think it never goes above level one. So from eighth to twentieth level, you can turn into a CR one creature. I think if we were to decide to make wild shape better, so that the moon druid thing just applies to every druid hmm. and then after that you're just asking for different spells this then is it being a half caster sort of makes sense this is one of the things and i'm i'm not saying half caster in the technical sense i'm saying it's you've got to look at it as like a, a hybrid caster it is hybrid yeah. might be a way of saying it let's briefly touch on multi-class options mm-hmm. druid goes well with monk barbarian and cleric yeah Obviously, because they're all wisdom users. Apart from barbarian, but the bar- barbarians for moon druids and maybe circle of stars, you might be able to get away with it. Again, two levels of fighter 
action surge, you can then do two things with your action yeah. on your turn. So you could set up a spell that uses your action and then wild shape with your action. I think what I was going to say before yeah. was you've mentioned before there's usually one subclass which is like main class plus. So yes. like with monk, way of the open, the open hand, hand just gives you a couple of extra monk bits and bobs. Which should you, be disseminated around yeah, the rest, I really said, believe. You've said before, and I mean, Moon Druid kind of feels like that for the Druid as well. There's a lot I, of I things I think actually Moon Circle Druid. of the Land is the one that should be broken up. Okay. That Nature's Recovery yeah. and Nature's Sanctuary, just give that to the Druid. The Nature's yeah. Sanctuary is a 14th level feature, whereby beasts and plants have to make a wisdom saving throw before they fight you. 14th level, there are so few beasts and plants. Yeah. That are at that CR rating. I think I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying there's so few. If you get to 14th level in a campaign, I would say, honestly, by that point, you are almost certainly going to be facing, like, man is the real monster kind of storylines. Yeah, or, you know, oh, hi, Orcus. Yeah. I didn't mean to disturb you in your weirdly yeah. unsettling loincloth. You're going to be fighting high-level aberrations, dragons... Uh, you're, you're, that's like Beholder. Yeah. That's reaching Beholder levels. Yeah. yeah. It's just not good enough. Put it in there for everyone else. Mm. Nature's recovery should just be there for everyone else. Yeah. I think Circle of the Land is that thing. Mm. And if we were to start giving every druid the ability to get some extra spells known, yeah. depending on where they were in the world, that would make druids so much more, more mm. interesting. Like, oh, druids now get, at third level, two extra spells known, at fifth level, four extra spells known, etc., etc. Mm. That's a lot of extra spells known. And the, now I can concentrate on taking the things that do damage, green flame blade, etc. Yeah. And all my utility... Which is, uh, I must be fair to the land druid here, those spells are almost definitely what you would want whilst in that area. Except maybe the Arctic with all the cold damaging ones, because everything's going to be resistant to cold there. Yeah. But other than that, just giving those spells to everyone so that they got it, mm. if they want it, I think that would be much better. Yeah. One last thing yeah. I just wanted to say about multi-class. I mean, we've looked at it as other things that would be good to go on top of druid. Druid itself is quite a good multi-class because with the builds that we're making, you know, we're kind of forced to do three level... Three and two, if we want to Yeah, three and two. If we've got up to third level in the main class, which, I mean, we have to, Mm. but there's a lot of the classes you have to get to level three to get the cool... Yeah, there's a few that are two and one, yeah. But Druid is one of the ones where you get to second level and you get your circle. Yeah. So you, a lot of the time... Druid can be a thing you tack onto something else because mm-hmm. you hit second level, you get your circle, you start to get the cool shit from the circle. Well, let's just talk about that for a moment. For rogues, mm-hmm. two levels, just so that you can wild shape into a spider or a rat spy. Yeah. Perfect. And you keep your intelligence whiz and con. Yeah. Prisma, sorry. I think I mentioned this with a couple of the wild shapes that I picked out for the barbarian. I mean, the spider is incredible because it's a tiny creature, so... I would be very inclined to say, I don't know technically how the tiny creature thing works, but if you've got a tiny creature that's hiding because it's a rogue, I would almost say the somebody would have disadvantage on trying to spot, spot a spider. I, you know, spiders are everywhere. Yeah. And it, even then, it means if you stay still, they'll be like, oh, it's a spider. And they might try to splat the spider, but... You run away. Yeah, you run away. Uh, you've reminded me of something. Ranger, as mm. a multi-class for druids, yeah. I really like... 
flavor-wise, but I suspect mechanics are going to come into it, yeah. If you choose up to five levels of ranger for extra attack, yeah. but if you chose the land that was associated with your favorite terrain, that becomes really good. And admittedly, it would take you until 10th level to get haste on your ranger druid multi-class, but you'd still have haste. To point out there, the Horizon Walker Ranger would only get it one level earlier. Yeah. I mean, how many times did we point out on the Ranger episode if you've got another class that can cast haste on you? Yeah. Whereas if you can cast it on yourself, you don't need to have other characters casting it on mm-hmm. you. And that would also give you a fighting style. Mm-hmm. One of the fighting styles for Ranger that was introduced in Tasha is the Druidic Warrior. Yes. Where you can just give yourself extra cantrips. Yeah. I looked at the amount of cantrips that you got with this and I thought, that's a lot of cantrips. That's good. It's decent. And cantrips, I've criticised Magic Initiate before because you can only use the level one spell once a day. Mm -hmm. Again, this was recorded before 1D&D was announced, which is changing Magic Initiate to one free use per day and then you can use spell slots to cast it. But you get two cantrips, which you can do as many times a day as you want and, and, and that's pretty huge for yeah, some classes yeah. uh, my wife has got a grung uh, rogue oh yeah yeah which I've actually worked out there's one of the biggest problems that the grung have is rules is written they need to immerse themselves in water once a day or mm-hmm. they'll die if you take magic initiate druid you take your first level spell create water yeah you solve that problem you just create yourself a yeah. you shower just, and reenact a, a bit out of flash dance yeah. yeah you just have a bath once a day <laughs> Is it Flashdance? She's a maniac. That's Flashdance. No, that is, fla- that is Flashdance. Flash okay. It's, I don't think it's And there's it's the bit Jennifer where she pulls Grey. the bucket of water. No, Jennifer right. Gray's Dirty Dancing, dirty dancing you yeah. idiot, Stephen. Jennifer Beals. So you were nearly there. Oh, right. It was a Jennifer. You were, you were oh, okay, there. Okay. It was an 80s Jennifer, yeah. An 80s Jennifer. Are there that many of them? There's got to be. Editing Simon. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do not put this on him. <laughs> We've kind of entered into the pros and cons a little bit in that discussion. Yeah. For me to feel as though it's a fun subclass to play, at most tables, I feel as though you would have to implement that. Mm. You can change it on a long rest. It would certainly feel fun as a player, having like, oh, we're in the desert. I don't think it's broken. I don't yeah. think it's a power thing. It's simply for fun. Because yeah. if I go, yeah, I'm choosing Arctic or I'm choosing Underdark, and then they're like, yes, and the campaign is set in Neverwinter. Or I think the proviso with that would have to be when you get the circle thing, you choose the one you want. Mm-hmm. And if you go to an area, you choose to tune to that environment. But it just means if you get to like an area and you think, I don't like the yeah. spells on this, I don't want these spells to be kind of inflicted on me. Like your ranger just keeps the your, so your, 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 druid. your druid just keeps the attunement yeah. from the area you were in. I think if you made it a choice thing, that would be really nice. Do you know what I think's really? You said ranger just then. Mm. I honestly think this spell list would be better on a ranger than it would on a druid. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the the rangers should have got the uh, what are they called ranger conclaves. Is it whatever it is ranger bullshit? Yeah, ranger bullshit. <laughs> if it was ranger of the land. You know, you got to choose that as a mm. long rest. Oh, that would be so cool. Yeah. Future of the build things. Oh, right. You have um, a, oh, God, he's got notes. No, it's not notes. It's I'm just looking at the page. So oh, right, right. six level, you get land stride. Starting at six level, moving through non-magical difficult terrain, costs you no extra movement. You pass through non-magical plants without being slowed by them. Uh, you have advantage on saving throws against plants that are magically created or manipulated to impede movement, such as those created by Entangle. Note. So, 
you, not your party. Yeah, so just you have that. When Again, reach, that should have spread to your party. When you reach 10th level, you can't be charmed or frightened. Good. By elementals or, or fae. Uh, and you're immune how to many, poison How disease. many elementals frighten? Yeah. That must be so few. Charmed by fae is good if you're in the fae, you, a fae well um, campaign. And that or, makes sense. Or you have a lot of fae. Yeah. Fighting it, a lot of hags. And you are immune to poison and disease. That's pretty good. I mean... I, that's the free monk feature. Yeah. It, it's a 10th level that you when get that monk. monks get so the poison foreign. free... Uh, I think they get it at 11, so monks might actually get it later. Yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's similar. It's the end of tier two. Uh, nature yeah. Sanctuary at 14th level. Creatures of the natural world sense your connection to nature and become hesitant to attack you when a beast or plant creature attacks you. So, like you said before, how many beasts or plants are you going to be facing at, at level 14? At higher levels. Okay. As a DM, if someone really wanted to play the Circle of the Land, I would tell them they're wrong. No. And that feature was coming up. I would say, okay, well, there is a hazardous plant here and you have advantage on the saving mm. throw. I would be kind. But rules has written yeah. that's not there and I don't think it does a good yeah. enough job. It's a DM kindness thing, I think, is to look at your players have this feature and then kind of put parts of that into the campaign. Mm. Whereas DMs have got so much shit to organise anyway. I don't think it's always like yeah. having to read up every ability that your characters have is... If you're a full-time DM who's doing it for a streaming thing that you're making money off of, fair enough, because then that gives you some big cinematic moments. I'm lucky enough to have a stupid brain that memorises this stuff, mm. and I can implement most of it. But that's what I mean, is get some big cinematic moments out of, like, your party is being attacked by triffids, and it's the druid who saves the day. And then that's feel-good for the druid, it's feel-good for the DM, because it's like, I created that situation, they fucking loved that, didn't they? The, uh, just Whereas, point out, there are, in Spelljammer there are a couple of higher level plants coming up. Okay, so you, you have got that in from Spelljammer stuff, but... Most DMs, they'll have like an hour or two before the session starts to do the prep because they're working or they've got other bullshit to deal with in the real life. They're not going to have time to gear everything for the players. I've learned that when I prep, it actually makes for worse sessions than when I pull it out of my arse. I don't know. I think it's... No, you wouldn't know because I don't tell you. No. But whenever I say, oh, I was trying something different, mm. what I actually mean is oh, I planned this week. Yeah. And because there's a rigid plan, I find it harder to be creative from that idea. Pros and cons, we've sort of done that, really, yeah, haven't we? Party composition, I mean, we've been trying to talk about this more. It's somewhere between support and backup. I mean, I've always thought of druids as the backup healer. So when, mm -hmm. when things go really wrong, the druid can heal. They probably shouldn't be. It's not their focus. I mean, healing spirit is great. Yeah. Aura of vitality is great. Hmm. See, that's the thing. You could cast Aura of Vitality and then turn into a bear mm. <laughs> as a yeah. moon druid and heal people as you maul others. <laughs> Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. <laughs> you are essentially a physical representation mm. of Wither and Bloom. Yeah, I know <laughs> in a lot of parties it's going to be, you know, you can wild shape and be a backup tank or you can wild shape into something else and be a backup rogue depending on what abilities mm. the thing you're, you're wild shaping into is, you can sit back and cast spells so you can be a backup wizard. You can sort heal of. so you can be a backup healer. You know, that's the interesting thing about the druid is they end up taking that kind of like, oh, we've got a druid, you can fill in for this yeah. sort of role. Which is great. If you're in a party that doesn't have a cleric or doesn't have a bard, 
you've pretty much got everything covered. Yeah. You've got healing covered, you've got support covered, especially if you take grasslands. Mm. And you've got utility covered. You know, you can... On the Underdark is Spider Climb and Web. Yeah. Which are kind of support and utility spells. And, you know, like, all right, now I go up on the ceiling and go and have a look. You can still shoot cantrips from the ceiling. The good thing about a druid is that they don't actually have the showboaty spells of a sorcerer or a wizard. They don't have that, like, ooh, look at me mm. kind of thing. And so they kind of slot any into any party, I feel. Like, yeah. you're like oh, yeah, I, I, I brought the spells. I've got yeah. Spider Climb, I've got Haste, I've got this, I've got that. And I think that's rather lovely. I think, as well, that kind of fits with... It's not the big explosions. It's not disrupting the heavens and the earth to get everything done. It's mm. just very no-nonsense... This is what needs to happen right now. There it is. Absolutely. What would you take from the other build? I think, to be honest, I would keep the flavour of my build and just entirely transplant the mechanics of yours onto it because I feel like <laughs> mechanically your druid works so much better than what I put together. And especially if we implemented that house rule about you can change, you can, you can attune to different lands if you're in them. I think you could have so, so much fun with that and the, yeah. the kit that you put together. Just because I do have an affinity for Mind Flayer bullshit, I really, really I'm, like that. I'm just as bad. But I think probably I would keep the fluff from mine because I also like the idea of somebody turning, thing, yeah. turning their back specifically on you have been told you are this race, you should do this, and then just not really feeling it mm -hmm. and turning their backs on it and doing something completely different. And in a way, with that fluff kind of justifies the disparity between the Mammon Tiefling kit and the Circle of the Land kit. Yeah, I would definitely, I would take that background from yours. Mm. Like the temptation to add that character in to Lura. Your home setting. My home world. Like, it just sounds great, you know, a tiefling wandering around with a big old pair of glasses and yeah. just, like, the world's most I mean, I chose... unamused merchant. You know, like, just, yeah. I used to be a merchant, didn't like it, here I am, hanging out with some elves and owlbears. You know, yeah. it sounds great. I mean, I made as well... I think of that character as female just because I chose that portrait and I thought, I really want to build around that portrait. Mm -hmm. And that, that was kind of the thing that started to click it all together, was choosing a portrait. But, I mean, again, hippie with big round glasses. I mean, you could use John Lennon as an archetype for that. You know, lovely, lovely soft Scouse accent, just very peaceful. You could stick some entertainer background in there. Would you keep... But very, very much later era, John Lennon glossing over the earlier stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you play this... I honestly can't tell you either way. I think when I play D&D, &D, I like to sort of experience all the different classes and do something that feels a bit different each time, which I think is one of the things about this podcast is when I have trouble with a character, it's because I don't really feel like they're sufficiently different to something that we've done before, okay. which is going to hit me in the neck at some point because well, it's gonna there's, only so, season two. there's only so many things that we can do different. But I mean, that's more of a character creation in the literature sense yeah. of the term thing is you are eventually going to run out of archetypes and you're going to have to start looping back on things. But I think with Druid, I'm not at the point where I want to explore Druid yet. Similar to me saying like Druid is not a bad class. Druid is not why I had trouble with this. It's a me problem. Yeah. In the same way, me answering would I play this is I think I will, will probably play something like this eventually I will probably explore Druid, Druid eventually I'm just thinking would I play this I would definitely play this character for a one shot if it was set in the Underdark 
Do you think it would affect, in a longer campaign, mm. do you think you would be more likely to play it if you had that house rule in place about changing lands? If that was guaranteed, I still think I'd only play that for a shorter campaign. This will offend my partner. Mm. Druids don't interest me that much. I mean, you don't have to be interested in every class. Like, believe it or not, paladins don't interest me that much. Mm. I'd rather play a ranger if I'm going to play a half-caster mm. with a sword. Yeah. The flavour inspires me to try and find a combat trick to make them work. Yeah. And with druids, I'm like... Uh, and if you're a druid player, I don't mean to disparage yeah, your, yeah. your preferred class. Yeah. I'm just saying that for me, I go, right, druid, here's my concentration spell. Here's my cantrip. I'm very much like that whenever I'm playing a caster. I always go, this is the concentration one that I'm going to do. And everything else has to be able to run while I've got that up. I'll usually, I'll only have two concentration spells if they're completely different situationally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and with druids, most of your spells are concentration spells and almost all of them are completely different. Yeah. And that's great. You know, Cool Lightning, which we haven't talked about. Cool Lightning is a great spell for damage dealing. Yeah. So you can... Shoot lightning whilst you're a wolf or whilst you're... Yeah. Read out the specifics on it just because... Oh, yeah, of course. It's one that I've heard of and I know it's oh. who gets called lightning. Oh, wow. It's a big old bit of text. <laughs> it's 120 foot range and a 60 foot cylinder. That's good. So it's... cylinder, that'll hit anything that's in the air above it as well, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, the components are verbal and somatic. It is concentration up to 10 minutes. So what you can do is set this up before a combat if you know people are going to come towards you mm. and then they come in through the door and you go zappy zap zap zap. It's also verbal and somatic so if you've had your shit taken off you you can still cast it. Still cast it. Um, I mean if you've been gagged and bound then you're stuffed. Yeah. But, but mm, it is a third level conjuration spell. Okay so it's competing for other against other third levels. Yeah. I mean the luxury I suppose of being a druid is that you can choose I'm going to be the utility caster I'm going to be the support caster or I'm going to sit here with Core Lightning. Yeah, you fill in the gaps of the lineup. Yeah, you fill it in. And, and that's great. So taking this over haste depends on your party composition. Mm. And I suppose that's what we were trying to say in party composition. You can fill any roles to sort of yeah. like choose spells appropriately. <laughs> but in the same way that I chose that Earth thing because I was like, this is a third level big hitter so that if you have to mm. fill in for the wizard and do bulk damage over a, a wide area of effect, that's the one you want. But I mean, Call Lightning is, that's the classic druid big hitter, isn't it? Yeah. So the cylinder is 10 foot tall with a 60 foot radius. That's 120 feet diameter. That's a whole board. That's not a cylinder. That's a friggin' hockey puck. <laughs> that's a hockey puck of death. <laughs> yeah. Centered on a point you can see within 120 feet. I mean, that 120 foot range. Most people's tabletops aren't going to have the room to be out of range for that. The spell fails if you can't see a point in the air where the storm cloud could appear. For example, if you're in a room that can't accommodate the cloud. So, That's fair. If you're in a mansion where the ceilings are really unlikely to be higher than 10 foot and the area is really unlikely to be 120 foot wise, yeah. you're kind of stuffed there. But that's pretty impressive. When you cast a spell, choose a point you can see under the cloud. A bolt of lightning flashes down from the cloud to that point. Each creature within five feet of that point must make a dexterity saving throw. A creature takes 3d10 lightning damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a successful one. Fairly standard. You know what I'm thinking with that, though? Yeah. And this could be something you could use to scare your players if you had an evil druid that they were facing off against. Mm. You could work out how much damage the upper floor of a structure could take 
Mm-hmm. And then you could just have the lightning bolt come through the roof. Oh, that's pretty good. If you're doing like the classic sort of spooky house yeah, or yeah, yeah, a yeah. ramshackle hut or something like that, you call lightning through the roof. Or if there's like you, one hole. Just to really fuck with him, you summon the clouds above this ramshackle hut. Yeah. On each of your turns until the spell ends, you can use your action to call down lightning in this way again, targeting the same point or a different one. Okay. Lightning can strike the same place twice. Is that as an action or a bonus? Action. Action, okay. This is what I was saying earlier. Someone will point out it's not almost all, but a lot of A significant amount of. Yeah. To the point where it's what I think about when I think Druid. Yeah. A lot of their spells are concentration spells. That's why I took Nature's Mantle. Bonus action, hide. I cast (laughs) it and I hide somewhere else and no one can find me. If you are outdoors in stormy conditions when you cast the spell, the spell gives you control over the existing storm instead of creating a new one. Mm. Under such conditions, the spell's damage increases by 1d10. What I like about this spell is that if you know your Druid is always going to keep called Lightning, as a DM you can give them that moment where they get the extra 1d10. Like, on a ship with a storm. Yes. You know, and something's attacking them, and they just go, nah, nah, don't worry, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, I got this. Shooting lightning at everyone, extra D10. They upcast it because they're level 7. You just get to give them that moment, you know? I mean, I also said about, like, firing it through the roof of a structure. Yeah. Could you set the targeting cylinder down and shoot the floor with lightning? You can shoot the floor with lightning. Yeah. I'm you just can't wondering... move the lightning cloud, by the way. It just stays then. Yeah, I'm just wondering if you could use it to hit a group of enemies and knock them into the basement of a structure. Yeah? yeah that'd be cool. Because it's a point. Each creature within five feet of that must point must make a dexterity saving throw. I would say that that point still takes that damage. You just can't make a dexterity saving throw. Mm. As for better options... Moondruid. Yeah. Moondruid's better if you want the wild shapes. Circle of wildfire, I think, is so much more fun. Yeah. I was trying to find the right word, but you're right. There's also no circle of land volcano. Where the hell is that? Yeah. Give me erupting earth for free. Add in fireball or flaming Mm. sphere or something. Just, like, I feel as though there should be more circles. Forgive me getting excited at the end of the bloody podcast talking about something else. You've got Arctic, fine. Coast, fine. Desert, fine. Forest, grassland, swamp. I mean, they're Mm. different, I grant you. But how different are they really? Yeah. And, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you get really different spells, but I don't know. And Better options is weird because, like, mechanically somebody could make Circle of the Land work for them, Mm. I'm sure. But in terms of more fun options, more varied options, I think most of the other druid subclasses have got more fun stuff you can do. Just in terms of flavour, the Circle of Wildfire gets to call forth a fiery spirit, a little mini elemental, because it is an elemental, that they can cart around with them and it can throw fire, little fire pellets at people and teleport and explode. You can flavour that however you want. You know, they fart and disappear in a thing of fire and turn up somewhere else, you know? We have flavoured it however we want. Yeah. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) However you want to flavour it, you can do that. The circle of stars, you get covered in a starry form that looks like constellations that glow at the different points on your body. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, if you were a thrycreen or or a gif or something, that would look really different. And you can picture that in your brain as something Mm. different. If it's the circle of the shepherd where you can just call hordes of animals, you know, there's there's almost like a, in my head, that's almost a little bit Moses. 
Yeah. You know, like plagues upon Egypt. Yeah. I bring or Disney Princess. Oh, Disney Princess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so good. And then Circle mm. of the Land is like, yeah, I like Grassland. Yeah. I got haste. Yeah. And only haste is cool, but it doesn't. The Circle of Spores, great flavour. It's basically, I'm the one person in. Um, Last of Us. The Last of Us, thank yeah. you. You know, I'm the one person who can control the clickers. Mm. You know, that's kind of... Some people don't think it's a great subclass. It's still got that really great flavour. Yeah, yeah. It's got an idea to latch onto, whereas mm. I think Circle of the Land is kind of a little bit And if vanilla. you were to introduce that house rule, I think the druid who becomes one with the land that they're on mm. just nudges the flavour that the, the class is missing. Yeah. And it also means every time you change biome on the map, you feel you're getting, it. You're getting something new that you can do. You're getting that mm-hmm. bit of variety where it's like, if you say you're going from forest to the Underdark, for example, you really get that in terms of there are new spells that you can play with on your list. Yeah. Actually, I think that's a really, really good idea for homebrew. Yeah. For that. I, I mean, it's so many people do it. Yeah. that I mean, it's semi-official at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if when we get the new version, it's like, it's, yeah. it's just hidden in there. Yeah, that was a Mammon Tiefling Circle of the Land Druid. Yep. Where we spoke about almost every other class <laughs> and every other subclass of Druid yeah. and said, oh, isn't this good? <laughs> but this was part of the thing that I resolved when I came into it. I was having so much trouble building this one that I thought a lot of the discussion that we're going to be having is about either the problems or the better alternatives Mm -hmm. to it. And I think you can still have that discussion about it. And we've ended up coming to a point where you can make the Circle of the Land an interesting option. But it does require homebrew, I think. I think it does require homebrew in a way that some other classes don't. Mm -hmm. Like, if you were doing Adventurous League, you couldn't do that homebrew. And that sucks. Next week... Yes. We have a warlock. Finally. We have a celestial warlock. Oh, okay. We have an Aracocra celestial warlock. Okay. So can I just ask, do we get to choose the pact? The pact boon. Yeah, if you want to be tome, chain or blade, that's up to you. Yeah, because normally we it's the race, class and subclass. And usually the subclass is the thing that you get at level three. There's some classes that are good to multi-class onto others because they get notable stuff at level two. Okay. We will be using the new Aracocra, so we can put the stats where we want. You do have talons. You get the Windcaller ability. Yeah. You can no longer fly while you're wearing heavy armor. Or medium. Oh, or medium. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realise that until right. just now. Okay. Oh no, you, you couldn't either in the Legacy. Is it a I just remember D&D Shorts having a thing about the new version of it fixes the fact that you used to be able to have like a flying tank at level one. Yeah. With it, which was obscene. Which was obscene. You have a flying speed equal to your walking speed. It used to be straight 50 foot. (laughs) Which is bonkers. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Which means that if you were, we won't be doing this, but if you were taking a barbarian or a, a monk. Can you charge flying? Yeah, you could dash. Okay, no, I was just thinking about if you take the dash action, that lets you take your movement twice. Does that include flying? Yeah. Okay. You could fly. <laughs> so you could dash 120 foot with the original Aracocra. But yeah, you could dash 100. 100- if you were a monk. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's now your walking speed. It used to be 50 foot. Okay. In case you want to know, 
-hmm. The legacy stats are Dexterity plus two and Wisdom plus one. I think that's going to be quite interesting to put together. I've been waiting for this because I rolled it and I went, holy shit, we're doing that. Yeah. (laughs) There's also, just looking at the running order, the DM permissions needed section is probably going to be heavily expanded (laughs) to this one. I can't think of any specifics, but just with how I know classes go, this feels like it's going to be very, very bullshit prone. If you think I'm not finding the biggest steaming heap of bullshit that I can lump upon this thing, (laughs) you are so sorely mistaken. Um, I will absolutely do that. Boy's asleep, so we're not going to bring him up to say goodbye. Yeah. But thank you so much for listening. Yeah. We are almost at 300 total listens. Nice. Which is incredible. Admittedly, we're on our 11th show. Yeah. Which means we're averaging about 30 listens a show. I'm not doing this for the lessons. I'm doing it for practice with putting the podcast together. And because when you said the idea about this show, I just thought, yeah, that's that would be really interesting to do. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for listening. Please keep listening. Yeah. Insert clever outro here. Bye. Bye 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 bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build Bard Workshop with myself, Stephen, Simon, and Frodo the dog. All properties and settings belong to the relevant parties. Produced by Stephen Simon and edited by Simon. Music is Dancing at the Inn by Kevin McLeod and is available at freepd.com. Follow us at anchor.fm/buildabard, at buildabardpod on Twitter and TikTok, facebook.com/buildabard, and r/buildabardworkshop on Reddit. And remember. Respect your elf before you wreck yourself. I didn't mean to disturb you in your weirdly unsettling lawn club.